0: And we're back Season 4 is underway I'm so excited to be back for this season So excited you guys are on here Watching, listening, whatever platform you are on I'm so glad that you are here Um, And don't forget This Thursday We're starting a brand new series called Live the Bible. It premieres this Thursday at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, it's going to premiere on YouTube. You can watch it there live uh, with uh, everyone else who watches there on YouTube. And you can comment and talk to each other there on the live stream. I'll be watching along with you guys as well. So if you'd like to watch that as a premiere, it's 6 o'clock on Thursday. Um, It'll just be available once the premiere is over. Um, and it'll also be available on podbean.com and Apple podcasts as well. Um, so please, please be ready to tune in for that on Thursday. Um, we're not going to talk about politics on today's episode or pandemics. Neither of those two words. We're going to, we're not going to talk about either of those things today, but Thursday we're talking about faith and politics, and our very first guest is Pastor Joel Coburnett of Cross Point Baptist Church in Davenport, Iowa. So, looking forward to having our first guest Thursday, 6 o'clock, for Live the Bible. Do not miss out. The best way not to miss out is to make sure that you have subscribed. So please, subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe to Podbean or Apple Podcasts. So you, and put the notifications on, turn the notifications on so you can know when that goes live. Six o'clock on Thursday. Don't miss out. So I've known for a while where I want to go with uh, the beginning here of season four. Um, and we're going to start with an overview of the belief of, and the doctrinal belief of the Trinity that God is triune. And uh, this is an important doctrinal belief. And today we're really just going to do an overview. It's going to be very quick. I'm, I call it a crash course on the Trinity. And depending on, on on some things, some feedback, and also some of the content that I'm putting together, it might end up being a series um, of episodes on the Trinity, of taking our time going through that. Um, but today is going to give you quite a bit of information Um, that's not going to cover everything. It's not going to make a huge uh, argument or make an undisputable argument for the Trinity, but it's going to get you close to where you need to be if you don't know anywhere to start in regards to the biblical belief of the Trinity. So without further ado, we're going to dive in to the Trinity. Now, the most important thing in regards to God being triune is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God, and, and we need to recognize that. If you don't know that Jesus is God, then you cannot be a Christian. You cannot be a true follower of Christ and not recognize that Jesus is deity. Jesus is, is God. Uh, but the broader thing we're talking about today is that God is one God in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Word, or the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I say God the Word versus God the Son, and honestly, you can say either one, is obviously he's known as the Son, Jesus is known as the Son, but before he was known as the Son, he was known as the Word. We see that in, in John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in context of John 1, you can look it up. It's talking about Jesus. He's referred to as the Word, and he's referred to the Word again in Revelation 19, 13, where it says, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So you have the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. So, here we go. There is alternatives to a Trinitarian view, (gasps) which are all wrong, sorry, but there is alternatives. And let me list a few. Uh, You have the doctrine of modalism. Anyone know what modalism is? Any takers? Modalism is the belief that one God appears or reveals himself in different forms or modes So, one God who reveals himself in different forms, in different ways. So, not triune, but one God in different modes. The common illustration that people have used trying to prove the Trinity would actually just be teaching modalism. It's like water, you know? It's when it's liquid, and then it's frozen, and and then when it evaporates. No, those are just different modes of H2O. So... That's modalism. The other one we can look at is Arianism. Arianism. That's the belief that God created Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But if that's the case, then Jesus is not God. He's created by God, which would make him less than deity. It would make him less than God, and that cannot be the case, as we'll see as we go through this. So, Arianism, that God created that. Another example that people have tried to give to explain the Trinity, which doesn't work, it actually just teaches Arianism, is uh, is the sun. You have this, uh, the sun itself, and then it ha- creates light and, and heat. So, there's the light and the heat and, and the substance. Uh, no, the sun creates the light and the heat. So, that would be Arianism. Then there's a doctrine of partialism. Partialism. And that's the belief that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit... On the hell... The Holy Spirit... Can't talk. The Father, the Son, or the Word, and the Holy Spirit are each one-third of God, and thus only partially God. Unless they're all together. So they're, oh, you only have all of God when all three parts are together. But when they're separate, they're only partially God. Which, once again, doesn't work. That's not Trinitarian belief. It just so you know, I'm not confused, that's not Trinitarian belief at all. Each part of the Trinity is fully God all of the time within the Trinitarian belief system. Um the example given once again to try and explain the Trinity it actually just teaches uh, uh, more of partialism, um, would be like the three loaf three leaf clover. It's like, see, there's there's here's three leaves, it's one it's one clover, but it's three leaves. Well, without all of them on there, then it would only be partly. So that's more of partialism. It doesn't really teach um, Trinitarianism because if yeah. Doesn't work. So modalism, Arianism, partialism. There's just a really quick crash course in regards to the different type of beliefs on God um, versus the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, And so before we dive into some scripture, um, I can't just make and write my own most brilliant. Um, definition for the Trinity, because it's a little bit complicated. And so uh, I'm going to opt out to read to you the Athanasian Creed. We're talking early 4th century, and it's considered to be part of the, of the Lutheran confessions. Uh, they consider that to be theirs. Um, but um, anyway, it's Athanasian Creed, And this is a very early, early written out definition from early believers uh, in the early fourth century explaining their belief in a triune God. Um, And I don't know if this definition has been ever replaced or written in a better way than this. So let's dive into it. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, and the Holy Ghost unlimited. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal as also there are not three uncreated, nor three infinities, but one created, and one infinite. So likewise the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Holy Ghost Almighty. And yet they are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise the Father is Lord, the Son Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord, and yet not three Lords, but one Lord. And in this Trinity: None is before or after another; none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal and co-equal. So that in all things, as aforesaid, the the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in Unity is to be worshipped. So, as I said, I don't know that there is a better expanded definition of God as Trinity than the Athanasian Creed. Now, the fact that God, the fact that Yahweh is one God and yet three persons, um, it's explainable, as you can see even in that definition, but difficult to grasp. And why is that? Well, (laughs) because we've never met someone who's three distinct persons, but still only one. Some critics to this Trinitarian view will say, God's not the author of confusion. I read that in 1 Corinthians 14.33, so uh, it can't be that. (laughs) But that is just a misuse of scripture. Um, The Bible clearly says that there is things that are either hard to be understood or that cannot be fully grasped. I think of 2 Peter 3.16 where it says, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood understood. He goes on to talk about those that wrestle with that, that aren't believers. Nevertheless, they are hard to be understood. Isaiah 55.8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And Romans 11.33 says this, O oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So yes, there are some things in scripture, like the Trinity, which are hard to be understood. But they can be explained, but maybe not fully grasped. So, that being said, without a Trinitarian view of God, it's hard to make sense of the Bible. I'm serious. Like... As you're reading through scripture, things will begin to fall apart if God is not triune. This is why this is important. Um, But this view of God being triune in the Bible is consistent. Now, once again, I'm not doing a full dive in into everything. This is an overview. Crash course, if you will. So in Genesis 1, we see God's plurality referenced during creation. For instance, in Genesis 1.26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then John says that the word, Jesus, made everything, and Colossians concurs with that. John 1.3, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 15-17 says this, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and are that in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So he's before all things, he created all things. Nothing was made with him. So once again, we see in Genesis, there seems to be a plurality from God that's saying, let us make man our own image. Then we see that Jesus is the creator. But the Bible also teaches that there's only one creator. So even though Genesis refers to a plurality in the Godhead, and we see that Jesus was there, he's the creator the Bible also teaches there is singular one creator, Yahweh. Isaiah 44, 24, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things. So someone at this point, just reading to this part, could say, well, see, that would be, you know, Partialism then, maybe. They're, 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 they're all the different parts are there, but then it goes on and says this, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. How about that? So you have plurality there, but God very distinctly states that he creates everything Yahweh says he creates everything by himself. Yet the Bible also teaches that Jesus created all things. So now you have plurality and singularity already occurring in Scripture, which leaves you already with the Trinitarian perspective. But we can go on. Uh, I just want to mention also that Jesus... was the fulfillment of the prophecy, being Emmanuel, God with us. Now, Jesus speaks of his eternality rather than as a created being. In John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And then you can go through a whole study on the I am statements of Jesus and the references to the Old Testament. Uh, These are deity claims. Um, we see three distinct persons at Jesus' baptism. right? So we're seeing that there's got to be one God, and Jesus is God, and so there's a plurality and singularity. And so it can't be modalism because we see all three of them together. In Matthew three sixteen seventeen, 17, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You can also see that in Mark chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3, you see Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all present together. If modalism is true... They couldn't all be in the same place at the same time. We see Jesus reference the Father and the Spirit as distinct persons. And John 6, 38 and 39 says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And then John 14, 16 through 18 says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you i will not leave you comfortless i will come to you so here you go here you have it once again you have in both these passages he refers to the father and the spirit as distinct persons but we also see jesus declaring himself equally divine with the father in John 10:30 in verse 33 it says this I and my father are one and what was the reaction from the Jews they answered him saying thou being a man makest thyself god they did not misunderstand him in John 10:38 it says this but if i do though ye believe not me believe the works that ye may know and believe that the father is in me and i in him In Colossians and Philippians, they clearly state that Jesus is full deity, not partly deity, full deity, not created by deity. Colossians 2, 8, 9 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and feign deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in Philippians 2, 5, and 6, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Then the book of Acts references the Holy Spirit as being God. Peter said, Ananias, Why has, the, has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? He goes on to say, Thou has not lied to men that you have lied to God. Yeah, I'm booking through this. Um, that might be all that uh, I shared today in regards to that. So what you see consistently through Scripture over and over and over and over and over again is that God is three, but he's one. You see, you have a distinct Father, a distinct Son, and a distinct Holy Spirit. You have plurality at creation. Let us create man in our own image. And you have Jesus... As being declared as the creator, but Yahweh saying, I'm the only creator by myself. And so, what does that mean? That means the Father is Yahweh, the Son is Yahweh, the Holy Spirit is Yahweh. They are fully God. Um, I think some might, and once again, we might go into another video of explaining some arguments against that. Um, of thinking that all three have to be get together to see the full glory of God, which isn't true because you have Jesus who at the Mount of Transfiguration revealed his full glory in and of himself, which he had protected people from because they couldn't stand before that. Well, that is a crash course on the Trinity. I hope that's a blessing to you. Don't forget this Thursday. Live the Bible, Faith and Politics, with guest Pastor Joel Coburnat. So please subscribe and like and share and don't miss out on Thursday. Welcome back, everybody. Read the Bible. Live the Bible. Have a great day.